0: We're glad that you're with us. If you're new, want to especially welcome you as well. Those on joining us online, we're glad you're here today. We get to celebrate our Super Bowl uh, baptisms at the end of this service. Got to do that first with one. We get to do a few more in the second. Um, exciting to have the HCC, a lot of the baseball team here today. We should have you guys throwing out the balls today. We would have hit all our uh, target destinations, I think. If we'd had them up. But, oh, hey, our kids did a great job today. Appreciate their help this morning as well. Well, hey, we are, uh, we're, we're in a Super Bowl Sunday. I see what I'm up against, I see the, I see the Red Sea. Um, we're not going to part it today, we're not going to try to do anything, but we, uh, we're, we're glad you're here, regardless of the team. I see our Cincinnati Bengals is back here today as well, so anyway, us in the minority, got a few Bronco fans, we're glad to have you here today. There's always next year, right guys? We got a new coat, so there's always hope. It's our favorite time of the year, the offseason, so uh, we're excited about that. Well... It is, we do have fun around here. Uh, We believe that Christians should have the most fun. We believe that God has uh, given us a reason to celebrate his resurrection, um, our hope of eternal life, our life with him. So there's many reasons to celebrate today. But we recognize today is a big deal in our world. We know that 100 million people, uh, one in three, will be watching the Super Bowl in our country uh, this afternoon. And we're not here to make it all about the Super Bowl. But I will tell you, um, in fact, Being a Bronco fan, I kind of wish it wasn't today. Uh, But the reason we make a big deal of it is because Jesus made a big deal out of things that related to its his culture. Uh, That's why you see so many of the stories of Jesus. I mean, he's talking about farming. Uh, because that's where the people were. That's where that's, that's where they lived. And so he shared a lot of farming stories. And that's where he shared a lot about fishing because the, the people were fishermen. And they, that's how their livelihood, it wasn't just recreation. Um, it, it, his first miracle was at a wedding, changing the water into wine. Because uh, he just lived where, where the people were, where their occupations, where their jobs, where their lives were. He started with where they were. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. We're going to see a little bit of that today. And so I want to make clear that uh, while we're celebrating and having fun about Chief's kingdom, we're here for God's kingdom. We're here to celebrate the kingdom that's going to last forever and the crown that's going to, to that last forever as well. So today on this Super Bowl Sunday, everyone knows the objective. It's what I like about sports. Uh, whether baseball, whether basketball, football, soccer, whatever it is, I love this about sports. There is one goal. There's one objective. Everybody knows what it is. Um, You don't even have to know much about the sport, but everyone knows what the objective is. The objective is to win. It's to be on top. It's to be first. And I, being a competitive person myself, I I enjoy that. I like that. I want to win. I won't say I'm the most competitive person in the world. I'm not like Peyton Manning or I'm not Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm definitely not John Elway. I heard a story about John Elway back in the day around the time that they were in the Super Bowl. He had the team over a lot. They played pool. He always won on his pool table, never lost. His backup quarterback, Bubby Brister, uh, beat him on, at his own game on his pool table. The next day, he sold that pool table and never played on it again. I'm not that crazy competitive. I mean, I'm not like that. But I do like to win. More than a few times, Heather has been less than thrilled with my behavior after losing. <laughs> uh, A few times my own mother was not happy with the way I acted after losing. My sophomore year, Broncos were playing the Redskins, now the Commanders, and they were uh, up 10 to nothing, but all of a sudden by halftime they were down 35 to 10, and I, we had a bunch of company over, I was crying. My mom was not comforting me. (laughs) She came over and said, "Uh, stop being a crybaby, we have company, you're embarrassing us, stop this, this is ridiculous. You're almost a growing adult. I wasn't quite, but anyway, that was one. The other time was uh, in my freshman year of college, playing football. My dad, he was a pastor too, and he, he every fall he just cleared the slate on Saturdays. He wouldn't schedule any weddings, do anything, because he went to all my football games. And uh, we were my freshman year, about one and three, one and four. We were playing about four hours, of, about a four-hour drive for him. He and my sister showed up to watch the game. We lost a tough one, and. I remember I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I just walked to the locker room. I kind of waved at my dad and my sister. And then I went on the bus after I showered, never said a word. I got a letter the next week from my mom. And it wasn't proud of you, son, miss you, love you, Uh, none of those things. I could just sum it up in just a few words. It was basically stop being an idiot and show some respect to your dad. He drove a long ways to see you to play. And I never did that again. <laughs> I got some practice at that too. So it was you know, those of you know my college uh, record we won't talk about that today, because I want to win. You like to win. I know that because eight years of being your pastor and living in this community, I've watched so many of you at your ball games. I've watched you your kids' ball games. I've watched how you've acted. And your yellers and screamers yelling at the refs, I've watched some of you leave the top level of the stadium to walk all the way down to the first, uh, first uh, row of the stadium just so you could be closer to yell at the refs and the other team. I mean, I've watched all of you. you. guys are competitive. It's not just me. No one likes to lose. Everyone's competitive about everything, whether it's sports, work, even cooking whose pies are better or whose yard, you know, looks better than their neighbor. I mean, there's so many things we compete about. Uh, I know our children especially. Boy, we get so competitive when it comes to our kids. Um, Riley played tennis, my youngest. And when she won, nothing else mattered in the world. It was all about her. I didn't care about the other girl on the other team. It didn't make, I didn't even know who she was. But when she lost, I had a way of demonizing the other girl. I'm sure she was innocent, but I was like, she's rude, she's cocky. Uh, in tennis, you call your own thing, so it's like she's a liar and a cheater. I mean, my, my daughter never lost a fair match. She was always cheated out of it. <laughs> well, God has placed a desire within us to win. And it's not wrong to win. I believe we're made in God's image. But God has a right way for us to win. And he wants us to win at what really matters. Jesus told us how to win. Jesus told us how to be first. And who we're looking at today is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul loves sports, a lot of sports illustrations. I think the Apostle Paul, he loved to win. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, in one of the letters, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, don't you realize, he's talking about faith, not, not about a race here. But he's using a race as an analogy for our faith. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Run to win. Run to win. Today's message is entitled, Play to Win. Because every indication in scripture, Paul was a competitor. Paul played to win. Paul played, uh, and and we see this um, we see this played out in the, in the fact of all of Paul's life, not just when he became a follower of Jesus. There was a time that he fought a bad fight where he wasn't fighting a good fight. He was, he was fighting for the other team. He was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, trying to stamp out Christianity and followers of Jesus. That's when he was Saul. He was a competitor then, and he was fighting. Then Jesus got a hold of his heart and his life and intersected him, and he began to fight and win for the right team. Today... We look at Paul's final charge in his words to a young Timothy, his protege, his mentee. Paul's an old pastor at this time. When he's writing these last two letters to 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he's near the end of his life. It's not too long after this that he loses his life for his faith. He's martyred. He's beheaded. He knows. In fact, when he writes these letters to 1 and 2 Timothy, he's in a prison. About five years of his life, he's in prison. Wednesday night, we were, uh, for those of you that are here Wednesday night, there was the Bible conference, and they were talking about 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and some things that I don't, I didn't know this, and it's a possibility, no one's for certain, but this particular preacher was talking about how at the time that Paul was writing this letter in 2 Timothy, that he wasn't just in any ordinary four by four cell or with with uh, walls. He was probably, and, they, and this he made the, the argument that there's a very good chance he was in a hole. He had been thrown, put, he had been lowered down into a hole where he could not move as a way of torture. Where a way that he was uh, maybe got to eat, maybe didn't. Sometimes they threw some scraps in there. Other times he didn't. This is where it is possibly believed that he's certainly in, in, a, in a jail or prison, but it might have been under the worst of circumstances that he's not even really writing it. he's ascribing it to someone to write it for him. And in this prison cell, he coins these words, first in First Timothy, the first letter, he says to young Timothy, "Fight the good fight of faith." This is a seasoned warrior. And in 2 Timothy, in his last letter that he writes to Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is Paul who's been through so much, beaten, tortured, uh, used and abused. And he's saying to a young Timothy, in in one of the worst cases and worst times of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He's saying to a young Timothy, Timothy, play to win. I'm going to finish my race, but I want you to finish well. I want you to play, I want you to run to win. And not only you, but I'm giving you the church. I, I started this church, but now you're the pastor, and I need you to lead these people. I need you to lead them to win. We want to help them win. We, I want to teach you how to win. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. You know, one of the things I like about Andy Reid, and there's not a lot of things I love about the Chiefs. I've said many times, I wish Patrick Mahomes was just a jerk; it'd be so much easier to root against him. Um, Actually, both quarterbacks today is kind of cool, are professing followers of Jesus. I I think that's a pretty cool storyline. But I I, I like Andy Reid. I wish he was our coach instead of someone else's. But one of the things I like about Andy Reid is he he goes for it on fourth a lot. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth. He's playing to win. He's not trying to keep from losing. He is playing to win. Now, he's not, doesn't look, you know, it's not that hard when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You're going to be pretty su- successful in a lot of those fourth downs. But Paul says if we're going to win, three things that we see in this verse, it's quite easy and it's quite simple. First, if you're following your notes, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. We can all fight, but there's a good fight. My brother-in-law, he's a pastor today, he's in Kansas City, he used to pastor in Denver for nine years and he was the minority, now he's, a, he's in Kansas City, he's a big Chiefs fan and so he's, he's preaching to a crowd of like-minded people, he's loving his day-to-day. But back when he was in grade school, um, he uh, got a snowball, had hit him, someone threw a snowball at him and there was a rock in this snowball and so it really hurt and it made him really mad. And so he uh, told his friends, tell that kid, meet me in the bathroom. And so they went and told this kid, hey, Sean wants to meet you in the bathroom. Met him in the bathroom. Sean proceeded to pummel this kid and beat his head against the wall. I'm not advocating violence here today, if anyone's hearing that. I'm just sharing a story. And they took them both to the principal's office. And the principal's like, hey, what? tell us what happened. The other kid went first. And he said, well... Some of Sean's friends told me to meet him in the bathroom. So I met him in the bathroom, and then he began to beat my head against the wall. All right, Sean, why don't you tell your side of the story? He left out about the snowball with the rock in it and stuff. He just said, well, I told my friends to go tell him to meet me in the bathroom, and I beat his head against the wall. (laughs) Gave the exact same story, didn't get out of that. He fought a bad fight. That's not a good fight. The Apostle Paul, we already talked about He wasn't fighting a good fight when he was fighting against Jesus and fighting against Christianity. He was fighting a bad fight. But now Paul is saying there is a good fight to fight. Sometimes we fight bad fights. Sometimes instead of fighting together and for our marriage like us against the world, we fight against each other. We fight for our own selfish interests and what we want to get out of it. Sometimes uh, instead of uh, lifting one another up, even in the Christian community, in the church, instead of building our brothers and sisters up, sometimes we tear them down through gossip and slander and not thinking the best, but not giving them the benefit of the doubt. We know that Jesus said, Everyone will know that you're my followers by the way that you fight with one another. He didn't say that. He said that by the way that we love one another, by the way that we love one another, are going to know that we're his followers. And the first thing that defeats and destroys any team or any organization or any church, the greatest threat is not the opponent on the outside. The greatest threat comes from the inside. The greatest thing that destroys a locker room is not the outside, but from the inside. I was thinking about Andy Reid's when he, when he was coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. I was thinking about how uh, he coached an incredible great receiver named Terrell Owens. Carole was an incredible talent. But he was known to be a cancer in the locker room. And and he went to many teams and divided locker rooms. Now, it could have been Donna McManab, whatever the case was. He was talented. I remember, if you go way back into Elway's Day, there was a guy by the name of Jeff George. Man, he had an incredible arm, incredible talent. But he never went anywhere because he was known to be a cancer in the locker room. The greatest threat is not from the outside, These were incredibly talented men, but they were toxic. And the greatest threat for us, Jesus prayed this prayer in in, in, uh, John chapter 17. Jesus' longest recorded prayer is this, that we would be one. That we would be unified. That we would be together. That we would rally around one mission. Every team knows what the mission is. It's to rally around, let's win. Let's win. Let's win. Our mission is, let's proclaim Jesus. Jesus is our win. Jesus is the one that we are proclaiming that we want to see people find and home. So what are we fighting? What is the good fight? The good fight is this. It's faith in the gospel, which means good news. We are fighting for good news. We're not fighting for bad news. We're fighting for good news. We're fighting for the good news that Jesus died, was buried, but he rose again. We're fighting, for, uh, we're fighting for the fact that, that love conquered death, that grace conquered sin. We are fighting for good news. We're fighting that people will hear the good news. We're also fighting for a confession. 1 Timothy 6.12, the second part of that verse says, Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul's saying, Timothy, I want you to win. Take hold. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life through the confession of your faith in Christ, your confession of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is power in confession. There's power. There's life-changing power in confession. We win when we confess. Not when we hide, not when we rationalize, not when we ignore, not when we come up with excuses, but there is power and we win when we confess. There's power and when we can, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's gonna make us a winner. He's gonna give us a clean slate. He's, He's gonna help us when we make this fight, when we fight for a confession that Jesus is Lord. So we're fighting for good news. We're fighting for a good news. We're fighting for a confession that Jesus is Lord. And Paul goes on to say if we're going to play to win, we must finish the race. We must finish the race. Teams at the end of the fourth quarter in basketball, I mean it's definitely in football, I see it mostly in football. You'll see this, you'll see everyone hold up the four fingers. College, high school, middle school, they're holding up four fingers. Because they've been coached of how important the fourth quarter is. Because anyone can get off to a good start. Anyone can be ahead after three quarters. But what matters is not how we start, what matters is how we finish and how we follow through. And the enemy, he wants us to quit. We have an opponent who's trying to, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal. Kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. We have an enemy. We have an opponent who is trying to defeat us, trying to discourage us, trying to get us to quit. The message in this is finish the race. Don't quit. Through Christ, we have become children of the Most High God. Through Christ, we have become legitimate children of a a heavenly Father you want to put it in a song, you can say, if you want to go back a long ways, we're too legit to quit. Don't make me sing it. That's meant to be funny. You're going to have to laugh a little hard. I'm going to start singing it if you don't do it. Too legit to quit. No, don't laugh, actually. It's not that good. But we are. Through what Christ has done, there, we, we shall not give up. It's more important how you finish than how you start. Some of you have had some rough starts. Some of you have you started off with a broken home. That's what you were raised in. Led to a lot of broken hearts. Some of us, we find ourselves today at the start of a broken marriage, of a failed marriage, of a divorce. Some of us find ourselves today, we started with an addiction that's led us to where we never thought we would be. All of us started with sin. Sin. All of us have broken God's heart. All of us have fallen short of his glory. All of us have sinned. But the good news is this: it's not matter how we start, because we all started bad. What matters is how we finish. And because of what Christ did on the cross, he said these words as one of his last words: it is finished. I have won. It is finished. I have won what I've done for you. I know the outcome. I know the score. If you'll trust in me and put your trust and faith in me, I have won the battle. The battle's already won. Jesus completed what we couldn't finish so we could have a hope and a future. And that leads us to this last thing that Paul said, if we want to play to win, we must keep the faith. We must keep the faith. Paul knew this better than anyone else. Paul had endured many storms, many hardships. Paul had been shipwrecked three times, nearly losing his life. Paul had been drugged out of the temple or out of the church. He'd been drugged out of the temple, beaten, whipped, stoned, in prison multiple times. He spent spent about five years of his life in prison, in and out of prison, not for doing wrong but for doing good, for proclaiming good news. If there's anybody, and eventually he was beheaded, if Paul has plenty of reasons to fight the wrong fight, of bitterness, anger, resentment, Paul has every reason to quit. Paul has every reason to give up. He has every reason to leave his faith, but he says five of the most powerful words that we see in Scripture. And I pray powerful words that we will say as we come to the end of our life one day. I hope we'll say these words. They're the most imp- some of the most important words that we can say. I have kept the faith. Paul says, I have kept the faith. I've been wrecked. I've been beaten. I've been imprisoned. I've been locked up. But nothing is going to take my faith. I'm keeping the faith. I'm not giving up in one of the baptisms' testimonies. Um, And I hope everyone got it. I think we might have ran out. I might just read those because I don't want people to miss the testimonies today. But I see a testimony. I see some in the testimonies of people that could quit, that could have given up. But they kept their faith. They kept their eye on the ball. They kept their eye on Jesus. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. When things don't make sense, I'm going to keep trusting God. When things don't add up, I'm going to keep trusting the one who does make things add up. I'm going to keep trusting in Christ. Some of you today may feel like Paul. Some of you may hear today or watch online, you, your life may feel like a wreck. You may feel dragged and beaten by others, beaten down by others. You you may feel locked up somehow or locked in a a body that doesn't work because of health or whatever. I don't know where it finds you in. And you probably, like Paul, you may have every reason to quit, to give up, to to throw in the towel. But Paul is here to tell us as a witness and to a young Timothy. Timothy, one day it's going to get hard, but let me tell you, it's worth it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Hold on to your faith. Keep the faith. Keep going on and wherever you are. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. It might have been for someone in first service. It might be for someone in second service. It might be for both. But someone needs to hear today. Don't let go. Hold on. Don't give up on your faith. Maybe you're not holding on to faith. Today, grab hold of faith. You'll be on the winning side. You'll be on the winning team. Christ, no more, no more than anyone else, wants you to be a winner. Trust God. So the message is this today. It's hold on for something better. Paul reminds us to, to Timothy at the end of this, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. He tells us that there's a reward to hang on for this. Tonight, there's going to be a battle for a Lombardi Super Bowl trophy. And one day, that trophy is going to rot and decay years from now. It's going to mean nothing when we're on the other side of eternity. It's not a lasting crown. It's fun, it's exciting. But the lasting crown is this. Paul said in verse 8, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only for me, but also all who longed for his appearing. My encouragement today, even if it's just a whisper, is that you hear these words of Paul. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't stop running. Don't quit. Don't give up on your race. There's a crown in store for you. There's a reward coming. It may not feel like you can make it, but through Christ, you have won the victory. Finish the race. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Keep playing to win. Play to win. Keep the faith. You pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I I thank you that we could have fun. Lord, I thank you for the game tonight. It's exciting to sit around with friends and eat some chili and Bunch of junk food and watch a fun, entertaining game. It's even more fun when our team's in it. (laughs) But Lord, there's something much greater. Lord, I pray, Lord, today that you would help us to win, help us to hold on to our faith, help us to keep the faith, help someone in here not to throw in the towel and not to give up. Lord, just speak into their life right now that better days are ahead, that, Lord, that you have something better in store for them, hold on, keep the faith. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed as our children are making their way in, that's the rustling that you're hearing because we're having baptism, we celebrate that as a whole church, but with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, except for our children that are walking in, maybe you don't have faith today. Maybe you came in here today and you didn't have faith, but I'm telling you, the way, of, the way of life, the way to win is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're gonna celebrate some baptisms of those who have made that decision, but today is your day. Today is your day to win by holding on and claiming on to faith in Jesus Christ. You may not understand it all, know what it all means, but all you have to know is Jesus Christ loved you so much That God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you. He paid your penalty of sin. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. He paid your penalty in full. He died on that cross, but he didn't stay there. He rose from the grave, defeating our enemy of sin and death. And by trusting in him, you will have life in his name. With no one looking around, your eyes closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. But... If that's you today, I'm just gonna to count to three. And if you would like to make that decision to follow Jesus today, just raise your hand. And count to three. One, two, three. Just raise it high. Thank you. Raise it high. Thank you. Thank you. It's what's important that God said thank you. What's important is God sees your hand on me. You can put them down. You can put them down. We pray a prayer here as a pray, a prayer of confirmation of our faith. But it's also a prayer that you'll be praying maybe for the first time. And what's not important is how you say it. What's important is that you mean it. But Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the apostles actually said this, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be a child of God. You'll be a child of His. So I'm going to invite you to open your eyes. We're going to pray this prayer before baptism today. We're going to pray it together. I'm going to invite you to stand actually, because this is a celebration we're getting ready to enter into. It's baptism. But before we do that, there are some that raised their hand today, some that I have not seen for the first time. We're going to pray this all together so no one prays it by themselves. Let it be a confirmation of your faith. Just repeat after me. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Amen. I believe. Amen. Guys, I love this up here on the front row, that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the of the world, is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life, gave his life to, forgive my sins to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life, give me life. I, receive your grace by faith. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. Come into my life. I, will I will follow you. Amen. Amen. All right, we got to bring the kids in here every day. Let's clap. Let's share. Congratulations, those of you. We're, we're entering into a time now of those who have made that decision, and their next step is baptism. And so, um, does everyone? Did everyone get one of these? I felt like we. Anyone not get. the the cards today? Would you raise your hand? Some didn't get the card. These are too good. I'm going to let you be seated just for a second. We'll do, if you grew up Catholic, you're going to like this. So sit down, stand up, sit up. You got to hear these testimonies today. I apologize. We didn't have enough of these. I thought we ran out. First service, young man, Fox Trent, my nephew, my great nephew. I was in bed and I said, Jesus, will you please come into my heart? I wanted to do that because it will make Jesus happy. And I wanted to be in heaven with him one day then these are the baptisms that you're going to see. Evan, my story begins when one of my friends back in high school invited me to go to church. Initially, I was intrigued simply because he would treat me to some lunch. I like that. Who else came to church ever on a free lunch? I used to be a Buddhist, but really, I was an atheist as long as I can remember before I converted to Christianity two years ago. Life was really dark back then. I used to really hate myself and everything around me. I didn't have peace. However, now I have found peace in Christ. That's awesome. Kirsten, I ended up getting put into foster care after, after praying to God about my circumstances with my biological family. God practically gave me a second chance at life. That's cool. He gave me a life better than, he gave me a chance at a better life. When he helped me get a better life, I decided I wanted to devote that life to him, and that is why I'm choosing to be baptized. Bethany. I grew up in church and always knew about Jesus. I was just a fence rider in my faith until my son got diagnosed with cancer. Seeing his faith and courage made me want to be, made me want to be more into my faith. When Gabe passed away at the age of nine, I was angry, hurt, and lost. I thought Jesus failed me. My faith was slipping away and that scared me. When I looked up, I realized he was there all along and answered my prayers. It just wasn't the way I wanted or how I imagined. I cannot do life on my own. I have tried and it doesn't work. I have felt the Lord's peace when I was struggling to find it. Life through the ups and downs showing and leading me, giving me the tools for life. My testimony continues to grow with me as I grow in my faith. And with the Lord. And finally, April, as a kid, I was baptized, but I didn't really understand it. As I got older, I've been trying to grow in my faith, and God has told me it's time to get rebaptized. So I thought I'd follow what God is telling me to do. I'm still growing in my faith, and this is just one step closer to Him. Let's celebrate that today as we celebrate these baptisms this morning. You, you can all stand now. We're going to celebrate. We celebrate with these baptisms this morning.